Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. I'm finally back in the closet. Yes, it's true. After somewhere between one day and four-ish months, I'm actually recording a podcast. So on this episode of Sports and More, it's time for madness. I do what everyone else has already done all week and give you some lists of things to look for in the NCAA tournament. But then I do what no one else is doing, and that's a bedtime story about stupid people on Twitter. That'll make for great radio. Hey, you know what else makes for great radio? New theme music! gotta admit, that's the spiciest intro music you've ever heard. Welcome, boys and girls, to Sports and More, Season 2, Episode 1. John Thomas back with you, super pumped up, super excited to finally be back recording a podcast. It has been since early December, and I apologize sincerely for that. It's been so, so long since I've recorded a podcast, I barely remembered how to do this thing. I finally got all the microphones set up and everything, but it took a while because it's been that long. In fact, the last time I was talking with you, I was making my picks for bowl season. You were making your picks for bowl season for the Sports and More Bowl Pick'em Contest. That ended up being won by Austin Norwood, a friend of mine, a UNC student. He won the Sports and More t-shirt. I didn't even get to announce that on the podcast. I even posed a great question about concussions and football, had great discussion on my Facebook page, and it materialized into absolutely nothing because, number one, I got lazy, but number two, I also got a second job. So my first job with IMG College picked up a good bit in the month of January because basketball season picked up. I worked with the Kent State men's basketball team, the West Virginia women's basketball team back in the studio doing things with them, also worked with the Southern Miss Coaches Show. So I was routinely in IMG five nights a week, uh, getting ready for those broadcasts, helping out with those broadcasts. It was just part-time work, but it was a good bit of time spent prepping and doing those broadcasts to the best of my ability. Then, earlier on in January, later into the month, another job, as I mentioned, materialized. And I am now... Excited to tell you, if you haven't heard by now, I've posted on my social media pages, but if you haven't heard by now, another rap horn for this, I have a baseball play-by-play job with the High Point Thomasville High Toms. I'm very, very excited about this. The High Toms have been really great to me uh, so far. Team President Greg Swear has been really great to me. Uh, the High Toms are a Coastal Plain League summer ball team. If you aren't familiar with those kind of leagues, it's a wood bat. A summer league where college players can finish up their regular seasons and go home their skills uh, and perhaps make a showing for scouts. It is a wood bat league, so they get a chance to make a showing for scouts, improve their own skills, and see if they've got what it takes to make it to the next level. And hey, maybe that's what I'm doing as well, seeing if I have what it takes to make it to the next level. Hopefully, 
that's the case, but I'm really excited about that. I already started with media relations work with the High Toms. Uh, you can find them on Twitter, find us on Facebook as well. Uh, you'll see my face, hear my voice on some different things. I'm sending out tweets, sending out Facebook videos, all of that good stuff. If you are interested in that material, I encourage you to be involved with those uh, social media pages. And if you're interested in hearing me broadcast games, those will be available on the Coastal Plain League website at the very least. They will be video streamed broadcast. You will have the option to listen to the audio stream, but you will also be able to see some video stream broadcasts. We're hoping for multiple camera angles. Lots of really exciting things uh, that we think are getting rolling with the high times. So that's kind of an update on where I've been the past four months. Would love to hear where you've been the past four months again haven't done the best job engaging with you all, and I really apologize uh, for taking so long between episodes here. But hey, TV shows do this all the time. They take a break. They go between seasons, and that's what we're doing here on Sports and More. It was unintentional, but we're going to call it intentional. We're going to call it good branding instead. Uh, it's a master class in branding here on Sports and More. But other than the spicy new intro, we still have a lot a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. And the first order of business is another challenge for you all. Yes, it is the Sports and More Bracket Challenge this time. And we will be giving out not one, not two, but yes, LeBron James, that's right, three Sports and More t-shirts to the top three finishers in the Sports and More Bracket Challenge. Obviously, I will be putting out this podcast Thursday morning, so you won't have a whole lot of time to get entered in this challenge. But if you do hear this podcast in time, I've posted this all over social media. If you do hear this podcast in time to be able to enter the bracket challenge, all you have to do is take your bracket that you've probably already made on ESPN's tournament challenge page, go to the groups, search sports and more, join using the password, all lowercase, no spaces, sports and more, and you have a chance to win one of those three sports and more t-shirts that will be up for grabs. If you don't get those, there may be a chance they'll be on sale. You won't get them for free, but there may be a chance those puppies will be going on sale, and they are, just like the intro, very, very spicy. All of that being said, if you do get to hear this podcast in time, I will try to help you out. I may hurt you a little bit in your bracket challenge, but I'm going to give you my predictions for March Madness, the things to watch for, and we're going to do it in the form of lists. You know, everybody everybody likes lists. It's the BuzzFeed lists. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Every news article, every sports article has got a list. The five things you want to look out for, the 100 million things millennials have killed in the last year, all of those things. Everybody loves lists. So we're going to start with that, and we're going to start first with the list of the five teams I trust the most. You ready? Here we go. Five teams I trust the most in this tournament. And that was the five teams I trusted most in this NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust any of them at all. I trusted Virginia, but that was until I found out DeAndre Hunter, the sixth man of the year in the ACC, had broken his wrist and will not be playing in the NCAA tournament. So, in reality, this year, I mean, we've talked about how crazy this year has been in college basketball. It's been one of the most up-and-down years, as far as I can remember. If I remember the stat correctly, I believe, and I should have done my hashtag research on this, if I remember the stat correctly, this is the first time since, I want to say, 1948 that no team has made it undefeated past New Year's Day. 
it really has been a wacky year of college basketball, and that's reflected in this tournament. I really do think there are tiers of teams. I think the ones and the two seeds generally have separated themselves, but I still don't trust them. They all have flaws. Virginia has looked like the most flawless team, but as we said, DeAndre Hunter has been hurt. You look at a team like Kansas, they're clearly flawed, even though they've been there before. They've won a lot of big games in the Big 12. Villanova is impressive. They're a very complete team. They've got a lot of ways they can hurt you, but they faltered at times in the Big East, and Xavier has also faltered at times in the Big East, and they don't have the pedigree of being one of those perennial top seeds as well. You've got a team like Duke that's really young. You've got a team like North Carolina that doesn't have a lot of size on the interior. So many different options and so many unknowns. More so, I've never struggled so much to fill out a bracket. Uh, I've talked to my dad back and forth about this. He's been kind of getting a kick out of how much I've struggled to fill out a bracket. I have waffled back and forth. I may change this on Thursday morning. I really may. But by the end of this podcast, I will run through some of the highlights of my bracket. Of course, my Final Four national champion, things like that. We won't put you through the whole bracket. If you missed it, my mom did fill out her bracket on Facebook Live on my Facebook page. That is worth your time. I can promise you that is worth your time. If you've got some time to kill and want to go on Facebook Live, my Facebook page, you can check that out. Very, very entertaining stuff. I actually do have some lists now. I'm not going to troll you this time. I actually do have some lists, including the five first-round upsets you should pick in your bracket. Eight, nine games don't count. Seven, ten games don't count. We're talking about legitimate upsets here. We're talking about mid-majors beating Power 5 teams or something of the sort. Here we go. Five first-round upsets you should pick in your bracket number one. This is the clearest one, probably the one most people will tell you to pick. Loyola Chicago over Miami, the Ramblers. What a what a nickname. The Loyola Chicago Ramblers over Miami. The Ramblers have five guys who average 10 points a game. They shoot 50% as a team, 72% from the line, and 40% from three. Now, granted, they don't play in the ACC like Miami does, but all the numbers are there. And this is a team that passes the eye test, passes all the statistical tests. They're a consistent team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Miami is just not that. They're notoriously bad at the foul line. They're missing Bruce Brown, who's been their best player. He's not back for the tournament. And the kind of theme of this tournament is avoiding mistakes. It's been the theme of this season. Virginia has been so good because they make so few mistakes. It's not about being the most talented, as it is some years. You look at Arizona, Duke, Michigan State. Those are probably the three most talented teams in the country. Yet Duke's a two-seed, Michigan State's a three-seed, Arizona's a four-seed. We'll have more on Arizona, especially later, and why I'm not totally buying in to the Wildcats like a lot of people seem to be doing. But yeah, Loyola Chicago, a team that doesn't make mistakes. Miami is a team that does, and I think the Ramblers are poised to take care of the Hurricanes pretty easily, and as you'll hear later, maybe even advance to the Sweet 16 and be the only double-digit seed to do so. First round upset number two, New Mexico State, the 12 seed over Clemson, the five. You know who has a better rebounding margin in the country than New Mexico State? Four teams, Michigan State, North Carolina, Wichita State, and Duke. 
That's it. The Yankees rebound the ball exceptionally well. Clemson's number 105 in that category. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot because Virginia is number 106 right behind the Tigers. The problem is Clemson is not efficient offensively. They shoot 45% from the field, 36% from three. Those are okay numbers, and they're also missing their best player in Devontae Grantham. They have for quite some time. I think Clemson's just done. I think they've expended so much energy trying to keep up and get that first round by in the ACC. I think they're just done. And plus, this game's being played in San Diego, and you don't have to be a scholar to figure out that San Diego's a heck of a lot closer to New Mexico than South Carolina. So I think the Aggies win this game. Pretty confident about that one. I've picked that in pretty much every bracket I've filled out. Another 12-5 upset at number three, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, over Ohio State. The game's in Boise, Idaho. We go back to location. The Jackrabbits of South Dakota State, I believe, about 30 minutes from Boise, Idaho. Obviously, a lot closer than Columbus. And other than Kata Bates-Jump, KBD, he's made a lot of noise this year for the Buckeyes. Ohio State hasn't been that good overall, and they've played in a Big Ten league that has been kind of weak. Michigan State, of course, in that league as well. But to at least see the incredible amount of talent they have on that roster, you don't get that with Ohio State. And South Dakota State has a very talented guy of its own, Mike Dom. He averages 24 points a game, 10 rebounds. He's an 85% foul shooter, 42% from three. Tar Heel fans think Luke May just even better at a mid-major level. And he's got a one-two punch as well for the Jackrabbits with freshman David Jenkins Jr., who's the guard for this team, averages 16 points a game. Inside-out punch, I really like the Jackrabbits with a little bit of home court advantage to take down Ohio State. Then we get to the final two of this top five upsets to watch. These two are a little more iffy. I'm not quite as confident about these two, but I think there's a good chance they happen, and I want to call them if they do so you can see how smart I am. Number 14 seed, Montana in the West over the three seed, Michigan. This is a big one. Not hearing a lot of people talk about this, but Montana is ranked 71st in Ken Palm. Now, that may not mean a lot to some of you, but it's basically a rating system that takes in a lot of different metrics about offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, all of these different things, and combines them into a score for a team that tries to score essentially how good a team is. Montana's ranked 71st in the country in Ken Palm, right next to 11-seed St. Bonaventure and 10-seed Providence. Both those teams are ranked in the low 60s in Kempom. Montana, a 14, by far the highest 14 seed among the Kempom rankings. Michigan is ranked pretty highly in that. They won the Big Ten tournament. They're coming in hot, but if you remember, the Big Ten tournament was a week and a half ago. It's been a while since Michigan was that hot. And oftentimes, you see teams who get hot for just their conference tournament kind of run out of gas. I think that's what's going to happen with the Wolverines. I think Michigan is actually the equivalent of a four or five seed. Montana's maybe the equivalent of an 11 seed. So you're not that far away from looking at something like a 6-11 matchup. So I wouldn't really be shocked at all to see Montana beat Michigan. Plus, I like trends as well. And a 14 seed has beaten a three seed from 2012 to 2016 every single year. Last year was the first time in five years that the three seeds swept the 14s. I think we get a return to form this year in the form of the Montana Grizzlies. And finally, this one's definitely the least likely, but I got to give a nod to the MAC champions, Buffalo. 
Buffalo knocked out my Kent State Golden Flashes in the semifinal of the conference tournament. They face Arizona in the first round, a team that has been very popular among pundits to send to the final four to beat Virginia, go to the national championship, because they do have DeAndre Ayton, and he's probably the best player in the country. Could very well be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. That's a good way to put yourself in position to go to a Final Four. Arizona is really, really talented. There's no denying that. But you know the best team Arizona has beaten this year if you look at the seeds according to the NCAA tournament? That's right. It's seventh-seeded Texas A&M. That's the best team Arizona has beaten this year. They are 0-1 against teams in the top 25 right now. The only team they played in the top 25 right now is Purdue, and that was early in the season, and they lost by 25. Arizona's had time to gel. They rolled through the Pac-12 tournament, but the Pac-12 was terrible. The Conference of Champions, according to Bill Walton, was pretty terrible. So Buffalo's got a chance in this game. They have five, six guys that can hurt you. Names like C.J. Massenburg. He's a 6'3 guard who somehow manages to average eight rebounds a game. You've got Nick Perkins coming off the bench. Jeremy Harris, who may be one of the best players in the Mid-American Conference. Buffalo scores the ball. They've got a lot of ways to hurt you. And if Arizona's not careful, Buffalo can take down the Wildcats. I really believe that. But again, it's the least likely of those five upsets in my mind. There are certainly other ones to watch. I didn't mention Davidson, Kentucky. That's going to be a huge game in the first round. I would love to see Davidson take down the Kentucky Wildcats, as probably a lot of people, and including Tar Heel fans, would as well. You've got the College of Charleston facing off with Auburn, a team that has faltered down the stretch. UNC Greensboro, Wes Miller's UNC Greensboro. They've looked really good. Marshall's in the tournament for the first time in 20, 30 years. They face Wichita State, a team that could be vulnerable to a first-round upset as well. It's just the best time of year. I'm rolling off all these upsets. I know the brackets by heart. I'm not looking at the bracket right now. I just know these upsets and these brackets by heart because this is my favorite time of the sporting year. I love so many times. I love baseball. I'm a baseball broadcaster now. But I love this time of year. March Madness is wonderful. One more thing to leave you with before we get to the final four picks. The best double-digit seed, the double-digit seed that will make it the furthest in the NCAA tournament, I'm telling you right now, it is Loyola Chicago. We mentioned them earlier. The Ramblers are a complete team. They're a complete team. You don't get that a lot from mid-majors. They're the 11th seed. The 11th seed is a great spot to try to make a run. Six seeds, often a little bit overrated. Miami's a team that's faltered. I think Loyola Chicago beats them. And I think Tennessee is a team that has struggled offensively at times and is not going to out-talent Loyola Chicago. The Ramblers play good defense. They've got a chance to beat the Volunteers should they advance past Wright State and get to the second round. I think Loyola Chicago is your best bet for advancing a double-digit seed to the Sweet 16. One other team to potentially think about there is Butler. The 10-seed Butler in Villanova section, which I think is the East, if I'm remembering. Yes, that is the East section, remembering that correctly. Butler's the 10-seed in that bracket. They face 7-seed Arkansas. Not an easy game, but Butler's ranked 26th in those Ken Palm rankings. That's pretty high for a 10-seed overall. They've got a stud scorer in Keelan Martin who can take over games. And if Butler wins in the first round, they will almost certainly be playing Purdue. Now, again, for those of you who may not know your collegiate geography, Butler and Purdue, both in the state of Indiana. That's a shot Butler doesn't get a whole lot. Butler did lose to Purdue earlier in the year, 
but that tells me the Bulldogs will be fired up. That game will mean more to them than it will to Purdue, and that's a dangerous, dangerous formula for a team like the Boilermakers, especially that has struggled a little bit at times down the stretch, even though I think they're very talented and have them going to the Sweet 16. Butler as a 10 seed could take down two seed Purdue in the second round. Keep an eye out for that. So as we take a quick look at the bracket now, I'll give you my final four picks and give you a little bit of explanation behind each of those. I have Virginia coming out of their region in the south, even though they don't have DeAndre Hunter. Virginia is still such a great team overall. They won't be perfect. They really won't be. Everybody's talking about how tough Virginia's regional is. I go back to Arizona. I think they're better than Kentucky. I really do. I think they'll beat Kentucky in that round of 32 game. Arizona, again, has just not played the level of competition Virginia has played. You need to be in those tough games. Arizona's a young team. Virginia is not. They've got experience. They have some youth, but they have a lot of experience as well. They've been in a lot of tough games this year. They've played Duke. They've played North Carolina. Lots of other great teams in the ACC. I think Virginia beats Arizona by double digits. I really do. I think Virginia is that good. So I have them beating Creighton in the round of 32, Arizona in the Sweet 16, and then I have them beating Cincinnati in that round of eight, in the Elite Eight, because Cincinnati is very good. I'm very high on Cincinnati. If they were in another bracket, say Villanova's bracket, Xavier's bracket, now that would be spicy if Cincinnati and Xavier somehow ended up meeting up in this tournament, or even in Kansas's bracket. If they're the two seed in any of those brackets, I put them in the Final Four. The problem is Cincinnati is basically a slightly worse version of Virginia. Virginia plays Cincinnati game better than the Bearcats do. That'll be a low-scoring, ugly game, but I think Virginia wins that and advances to the Final Four. Coming out of the West region, I have my alma mater, the second-seeded North Carolina Tar Heels. I, you know, looking at this tournament, it's so hard to pick teams because so many of the teams at the top of this bracket aren't traditional names. You've got Xavier. You've got Michigan, who kind of is a traditional name, but not really. You've got Auburn. You've got Texas Tech, you've got Cincinnati, you've got Tennessee, you've got teams that Purdue, you've got teams that you don't see up here a whole lot. North Carolina obviously has the experience. They're a team that's been to back-to-back national championship games. They're the defending champions, of course, and they have a lot of that talent back and playing well. Joe Barry is a great leader at the point guard spot. Luke May, Theo Penson, Kenny Williams, they've got a lot of pieces there, and their bracket is not that difficult. Providence could be tough in the second round. Texas A&M's a good rebounding team, but very few teams rebound better than the Tar Heels, even though they're undersized. So I don't think that'll be a problem for Carolina. I have them facing Houston in the Sweet 16 because I have Michigan going out to Montana. Houston is sneaky good. They have Rob Gray at point guard, who does a lot of scoring for the Cougars. They're a team that's been very competitive this year. I think they'd give the Tar Heels a good game, but I really am okay with Carolina facing a team like that in the Sweet 16. I think they're better, more disciplined, they're more experienced than Houston, and I have them facing Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. That'll be the biggest hurdle by far. Both those teams have obviously been there. Gonzaga will want revenge from the national championship. I think that is where the Tar Heels could go out. I have Gonzaga in the Elite Eight facing North Carolina as a four seed because I have Xavier going out in the second round to Michael Porter and the Missouri Tigers. It's a team that can shoot from downtown that has Michael Porter, who is a talent. I think he'll have a game to gel in the first round 
and they get a shot at Xavier and take them down in the second round. Over in the Midwest region, I have Michigan State, like pretty much everyone, their brother, their mother, and their sister, coming out of that regional. Michigan State and Duke, obviously the matchup everyone is looking for in the Sweet 16. Normally, Coach K doesn't have a problem with Tom Izzo, but I think this Michigan State team is more complete, more talented than Duke. Duke just seems to be missing something. Marvin Bagley is incredible down low. I don't know if it's a senior leader, because Grayson Allen, let's face it, if you're sticking your butt out and tripping people, you may have some issues with leadership. So, I I don't know what Duke's missing, but they're missing something. Michigan State's got a lot of talent at the next level. They've got a great coach. I think Michigan State comes out of that regional. I don't think Kansas has a chance. I think those two meet up in the Elite Eight, and the Spartans come out. And I keep it pretty boring. I put Villanova out of the East Regional in their bracket. West Virginia, probably the best chance of a team standing in their way. I have them beating the Mountaineers because of the guard play of Villanova. They have a lot of ball handlers they can handle that West Virginia press, even though I think the Mountaineers are better than they have been in the past. I have Villanova beating Texas Tech in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. That sets up Villanova-Michigan State. I have Villanova beating the Spartans in that matchup. And because it has been such a wacky year, I think it would be unexpected to put the top two seeds in the national championship game. I don't think anyone would say back in December, they'd say, oh yeah, this year has been so normal, we'll have the top two seeds to play for the national championship. No one is saying that. So therefore, the expected has become the unexpected, and so I'm doing it. Virginia and Villanova meeting in the national championship. I have Villanova winning their second title in the past three years. They're just a complete team. They are. If Virginia had DeAndre Hunter healthy, I would pick the Cavaliers and make no gripes about it. I would take that and run, take it to the bank. I really think Virginia would win the national title. I think Villanova's just got more firepower right now. I really do. And I'll take the Wildcats by a score of 67-63 in the national championship game. That wraps up all of our look at March Madness. I love this time of year. I can't stress that enough. So, so very excited. Would love to share in the bracket challenge with you again. That's ESPN's tournament challenge page, group name, sports and more, password, all lowercase, no spaces, sports and more. Hope you sign up for that for a chance to win one of three sports and more t-shirts. Before we go, I, of course, could not leave you without our first bedtime story of season two of sports and more. I'm realizing this is a little bit of a longer episode, but I've still got to get this one off my chest because it was such a bad take that I saw on Twitter. And we've talked about this on before on this podcast. If you remember way back many eons ago, I'm sure I have expressed my displeasure with hot takes in sports media. And this person is not even a member of the media. It's just someone on Twitter who happens to have some followers. At least I don't think this person's a member of the media. Yeah, no, it just says they talk about Boston sports. And this explains a lot. Hashtag Star Wars prequel defender. That explains a lot right there. If you're defending the prequels, you can get out. Anyways, this tweet reads... Kyrie, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Kimball Walker, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, Jalen Brown, Eric Bledsoe, Terry Rozier, LeBron, and KD... Beat any soccer team on the planet with six months training. No doubt, TBH, to be honest, for those of you not initiated with us millennials. So first of all, this take is bad. On on all levels, this hot take is bad. But there's a couple of things to break down about this. I want to go deeper than it just being a bad take, because otherwise, why would I bother giving this guy five minutes of my time on my extremely important and extremely 
prestigious podcast? Well, it's because it's interesting that he chose to pick on soccer here. He chose to pick these great athletes from the NBA, and I love the NBA. This is probably well-documented. You follow me on Twitter, you watch this podcast, I love basketball, I love the NBA. It's interesting that he chooses to pick on soccer. Why not pick on the NFL? If you're trying to prove the point that these guys are such great athletes, why not say, hey, maybe they'd be running the NFL in six months with such good training? Well, that's because to this guy and to a lot of people, soccer is easy. Soccer doesn't feature elite athletes because soccer is for Europeans. Soccer isn't for Americans. Europeans are wussies. Therefore, by the transitive property, soccer is for wussies. And the reason he doesn't compare it to football is because football is a man's game. But honestly, I could quite easily see LeBron James playing in the NFL. I could see John Wall playing in the NFL. I could see a number of these guys playing in the NFL at the skills positions, especially at wide receiver and tight end. These guys are incredible athletes, and sometimes at those positions, that's the most important, if not the most important thing. You look at somebody like Rob Gronkowski, who's just kind of a physical freak. Let's face it, Gronk is not going to win any awards for his IQ, but the man can play football. The man can be big. The man can run. The man can catch. That's something these NBA guys would be able to do, I think, pretty easily. Soccer, of course, requires a completely different set of skills. You look at one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest, Michael Jordan, went to go play baseball. It didn't go so well for him. Soccer requires a completely different set of skills, as does baseball, but that that just begins to scratch the surface of why I don't like this take. Why else is this take bad? Because it required no thought. It's a hot take. It's lazy. This guy clearly has never watched a competitive professional soccer match. He just assumes soccer players are wussies, like a lot of other people tend to assume, and just does not bother even saying, hey, maybe these guys are such good athletes they could play soccer, they could play football, they could curl. Who knows? I'm in the Winter Olympics mood still from February. Go curling, go America. But this guy has clearly never watched a competitive professional soccer match, as I said, and I really, again, shouldn't be giving this take the time of day. But we do this, people on social media, just people in general, we do this all the time. No one thinks this take is bad because it required no thought. It required no effort, required never watching a soccer match. It's just this guy sitting back in his bubble behind his computer screen, not thinking. Thinking requires effort, so we don't do it. That's why I originally made this podcast, so we could think together. You could listen to my thoughts. I could hear your thoughts. We need to think as a society and as Americans, as anyone in this world, we don't think. We just accept. We just make opinions. We just judge. That's it. No one bothers to put in effort to learn the other side. Let's cover another subject. Why the heck not? Gun control. I've seen liberals make some pretty horrible takes about guns because they don't know anything about them, and I'm in the same boat. I know nothing about guns. I don't own a gun. I know nothing about them, but I don't try to act like I do. But I've also seen conservatives say, you know the line, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Which is technically true, but a gun was kind of designed to kill people. It's the best possible legally accessible instrument for doing so, and it makes it a heck of a lot easier to kill people, even though the gun doesn't pull the trigger. There are no mass knifings. There's no mass bow and arrowings. There are mass shootings. And so that thought process right there, of just breaking that down and seeing both sides of an issue and thinking just a little bit 
just took a little bit of my time. It took just a little bit of thought. I'm not some genius. I'm just a guy who thinks sometimes. And I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you are too. I don't know how well I articulated that looking back, but basically my point is don't just say things without thinking. Please try to spend some time, do a little bit of research, at least invest a little bit of time in the people around you and the things you're going to have opinions on. Don't just blindly accept what people say. Don't blindly accept what I say. Investigate what I'm saying and decide for yourself. That is something we all can do. A lot of us have the capacity to think. Most of us have the capacity to think. I encourage you to do that in all areas of your life. That wraps up this bedtime story and this episode of Sports and More. Man, it feels really good to be back in front of a microphone a little longer than I usually go, but come on, you've missed me. You know you have. You've missed me for four months. You know you're glad to be listening to more episodes of Sports and More. Thank you so much for listening. I can't promise when another episode is coming out, but hopefully that will be happening next week. Things are winding down a little bit at IMG with the basketball regular season coming to a close, so hopefully once a week. That's the idea, once a week. We'll see if that happens. Thanks again for listening. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Sports and More 4. You can email me with questions, concerns, gripes, grumbles, thoughts, prayers, whatever, on my Gmail account, sportsandmorepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and listen on SoundCloud, as you're probably doing right now, soundcloud.com slash sportsandmore. Thank you so much for listening. I'm John Thomas saying wherever you are, whatever you're doing, have a great day and enjoy March Madness.